if you're going to get better, you got to have time to get better. And you've got a lot of time. It's just that you're, we all waste it in ways that we don't really realize. So I would say put down, get a calendar, daily calendar, and write down what you're doing, what you want to do. And if you don't write down what you're going to do with your life, then everybody else will be glad to tell you what to do with it. beyond excited to have um jeff dawes i know him as pastor dawes on the passion band the art show author incredible leader and it's an honor to have you pastor jeff well thank you so much daryl it's an honor to be here with you and i've always uh, admired you from a distance <laughs> well um it's about you so let's start from the beginning as far back as you can go like when did you know that you are going to be this involved in ministry? Well, that question is one that uh, I can go way back with that. But, but really, I, I think that when I was a, te- when I was a teenager, I, I had a student pastor. We called him back then youth pastors that actually um, influenced me. He, he loved uh, he just He just showed God's love in a practical way. And that really drew me uh, to him and to Christ. And so... If that be, that was the beginning of my journey is seeing God's love lived out like that in his life. Uh, and so when I became a Christian, I prayed this prayer, Jesus, I don't know a lot about you, but if you can make me like Randy, then uh, I want you. <laughs> and so from that journey, uh, we began to, um, you know, I began to work with him and become begin to volunteer in, in my church, every area of the church from from the nurseries, the kids' church, to, to you know, with the teenager, which I was a teenager at that time as well, uh, to the bus ministry we had it back then, everything, uh, hospital visits, uh, I, you know, I just did it all when I was about 17. That I actually felt the call in my life, and and was a little confused about that. I didn't know if everybody felt that way or not. You know, that maybe they should begin to speak. I did, I had no idea about that. So, so after um. After that transpiring, uh, you know, 17, I began to ask my pastor and began to ask that guy, Randy, you know, what, what did it feel? How did you know? And what are the things that you had to do? And, and of course, we, uh, you know, our Pentecostal background, uh, everything had to be signs and wonders. Uh, and so they began to tell me that, you know, like it, uh, one of the pastor said, well, I had somebody call me out. It means that they were sitting in a ch- church service and somebody said, hey, you come here and and spoke a word over them, and uh, and so uh, I began to, you know, well, God, if that's going to, you know, uh, happen to me, you got to let that happen. Somebody's got to come and do that. And sure enough, we were uh, had an evangelist come into our church, and and he called me out and said, "Son, I just want to tell you, God's got His hand on your life, and He's got a great call on your life." Blah blah blah. And then so, uh, and then I said, "Well, God, you got to let someone ask me speak." I didn't tell anybody. And then, sure enough, I was asked to uh, speak at a one of our church's youth. Uh, they had a youth service, and I was asked to speak at that. And so, um, so that that began the journey. That's interesting. So, after like 
giving your heart to Christ. First of all, like, were you in like a, obviously you were at church at the time. So were you in some kind of Christian home, Christian background? Like how, what was your exposure to church? Well, actually the, my parents divorced when I was two. And so, um, I did not, uh, have a strong Christian background. My father became a Christian when I was about, uh, about seven years old. And so when I would go visit him every other weekend, I would go to church with him. And then, uh, occasionally my mom would put us on a church bus. Uh, but outside of that, until I was about 15, that's, that's it. You know, when I, I've moved back in with my, I moved in with my dad when I was 14. And of course he went to church every Sunday. So at that point, I, was forced to go uh, when I was, you know, that year of being a teenager. And so uh, then at uh, 15 is when I actually received Christ and, and become passionate about God. Interesting. So as a teen, being, I guess, someone letting you know that, okay, you have a calling on your life, um, you know, like what was some of the thoughts going through your mind in regards to that? Because you're a teen, you're trying to be a teen, but at the same time, there's this pressing um, by other, by others, someone telling you, or just within your own heart, okay, there's a greater calling or something greater that you have to do. Well, I, I think that I just began to feel this desire to um, to want to share. You know, when I would see our pastor up there speaking, I would think, man, if I was up there, I'd say this or I'd say that. And I just began to uh, imagine that you, uh, it just began to be like, um, uh, what would I say? What would I do? I could see myself doing that. And there were some people that would say things like uh, they would say, you know, Jeff, I, I, I think God's hand may be on your life. You may be a preacher one day, which I didn't think that uh, to be the case. And even when I was a teenager, I had a job right after high school, and even my classmates, because I was a, you know, I was a strong Christian, uh, at this job I worked with a bunch of athletes. Uh, the high school football team, their part-time job was at that printing press that, that I worked at, and uh, they would. There's some of those guys that you know they, of course, a lot of them made fun of me, uh, but there was a couple that said, you know, Jeff, I think you're going to be a preacher one day, and I said, I'm not sure about that. But that just began to change. I, I thought I would be a, I thought I would be a, a businessman, and yet preach, you know, occasionally, like maybe be in my local church and and preach. And but I never saw myself as a pastor. That was not, um, that was not at all in my in the cards that I was thinking about. Mm, interesting. So where did the, where did the business itch come from? Like what what. Where did that part come from? Because even within your ministry and being a part of your workshops, I could tell like you approach it a lot from like, I'm running a corporation, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. First of all, I've had the entrepreneurial spirit within me from the time I was a kid. My father always was the one that was buy things and sell things and trade. And he had a side business as well. He was, was a small engine mechanic but he had a shop at our home as well that he ran a little a business out of that in his home. And so I was always around the buying and selling kind of deal. Uh, and so when I, when my Rhonda and I got married, we got married right out of high school uh, again, because, you know, I still did not, was not planning on uh, being a pastor at that time. Uh, 
so we we got married and and I've just always had this even in let me back up even in my part-time jobs uh, after high school I went to work I worked at this paper place that they gave me the responsibility at 16 years old of driving uh, a truck up to Atlanta to the post office here which was about an hour and a, about an hour hour and a half drive you know with a uh, a big truck and then uh, I went to work at a cabinet shop and for um, man I mean like I think I was I was about almost 17 when I went to work there and I worked there like a year and the guy put me in charge of a second shift and I couldn't even run the equipment because the insurance wouldn't cover me I was too young but he had me telling those guys that were 40 and 50 year old years old what to do uh, and and it's just been leadership has been within me uh, from a very young age and then uh, Rhonda and I after being married a little while I, I uh, started a little carpentry business that I had and then um, and then uh, that student pastor went to another church in Marietta so he had been he had been gone from our church for a while but he ended up in Marietta and he was working there and he wanted me to come and do an internship. So that's where Rhonda and I left everything that we knew. We left our jobs and we left everything that we knew to go do an internship there. And so we went to the to move to Marietta, had to find jobs. And we was there for about, uh, I guess, about four months into that, that we were settling into our new place. And then I got the call. Uh, I got a call to interview with a pastor in Northeast Georgia, Tacoa, Georgia, to be his student pastor. And so uh, that's, and so long story short, we ended up getting that position. And that's where changes begin to happen. That's interesting. So from the kid growing up to now, like, what do you, what goes through your mind from that kid knowing what you're doing now? Like what the goes through your mind first of all well uh i can't believe it it's like what am i doing and i many times i think you know there could be somebody that could do this a lot better than me uh if i feel unqualified i i you know i don't uh, at times i don't feel like that you know like i'm like man what am i doing you know uh because i don't like i I said I feel I can look at a lot of other people and see their skill sets would fit this a lot better than me but for whatever reason God has chosen me to be in the moment uh, and to be here um, now and so so that's what goes through my mind it's not uh, wow you know look at me it's not that never that at all it's always like you know I just don't um, I'm trying to think of the right words to say here because it's like I am, um, I'm so dependent on God to do that part, uh, to make this thing work and to help me connect with people. But the one thing that I, I, I'm, I don't, you know, I've never claimed to be the, um, the best communicator in the whole world, uh, but I've always, I've loved people and I do love people. That's the one strength. And the other thing that I think that, you know, that maybe helps me here is I'm a transparent person. Mm. Uh, you know, we talk about the real things here because, and and probably just about every message that I share, there's a story about Rhonda and I, and it's the real stuff about, you know, marriage or 
or problems that we face financially or, or whatever. And so those are um, those are more the uh, the things I think that go through my mind is like, you know, I can't believe it. I, I mean, we just celebrated 25 years and wow. uh, last week, and I, I'm sitting here going, you know, I. I, I can't believe it. I mean, I, if you would have told me this when I was a, a teenager or a student pastor that this, this is where I was going to be uh, 25 years from then, I would have laughed at you hmm. and said, not me. Wow. Interesting. So what are some of the ways like what that you've learned over the years on good practices on connecting with people? Like top three. Well, the... Well, the greatest thing I've learned through the years is this, is that, you know, um, when you don't know what to do, you love the people and you care for the people. So love them. That's it. You love the people. That's what you do. You love the people. And, and you know, right when this uh, pandemic hit and, and shut our church, you know, all the churches down and, you know, everybody's got what what are we going to do? And that that's the one thing that we've relied on. It's like, you know what? When you don't know what to do, you love the people. And that's what we've tried to do. Even that we can't, you know, meet every week together, but we've tried to reach out, connect. And, uh, you know, in a church our size, it's, I can't do all of that. Uh, but where we have people, you know, our our volunteers uh, are doing that. And, and, uh, and I, of course, I'm doing what I can. But it's loving the people. When you, when, you know, I really want people's lives to get better. That's my mission. And, you know, our, our mission statement at SEC is that we exist to give people an opportunity for a better life through Jesus Christ. That's it. And so the statement you'll hear is an opportunity for a better life, opportunity for a better life. And so that's what we exist for. And we really, I really want that for everybody. I want every person that I meet their life to get better. Hmm. Amazing. Amazing. So great segue into the book that you've written, um, Your Opportunity for a Better Life. Um, why did you want to become an author? First of all. Well, I, I, to be transparent, the reason I, I thought, you know, I'm going to leave this world one day. And here's, and I, I thought, you know, my congregation, God has blessed us and, and it's grown. And I can't have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with everybody like I'm having with you right now. I just don't, I don't have that kind of time to do that with everyone. And I thought, you know what, if I could leave this world, but leave them with something that I think are principles but more than that, you know, I'm thinking about my children when I'm gone one day, they'll have this this uh, material to read on. They may be the only ones that have it because I don't have it stuffed in the closet. They'll have to clean out one day. <clears throat> but if I could, uh, but my church, if I could, if I could tell everybody one thing or, or some principles that have, that have helped my life get better, to have a better life, here they are. And so that's what drove me to writing the book is that I felt like that, you know, I just, I wanted to share that with people, those principles that I feel like very strongly, if I could sit down and have a conversation with them for, it'd take me about three hours to tell them everything I wrote in the book. Uh, and if I could do that, this is what I would say. 
and that is that's what uh, has driven me to do that. And and it's been a it's been a great journey. I mean, I've enjoyed uh, that part of it. I I enjoyed writing it, and I enjoyed people reading it and telling me that okay, I got it. Mm. You know, I'm, and they know more about me as well that they never knew. And the number one comment that I've gotten, and more from men, I've been, you know, men don't read. <laughs> and so men have read this book. That's what's been intriguing to me as, uh, as men have said, you know what? I can see myself in your story. And so I can relate to it. And, and so that's been the, the, the motivation behind it was, was to leave it for my kids, but also for my church people to have a conversation with them and give them tools, you know, we say at SEC, you know, you can't do better, be better till you know better. And uh, I write that in the book as well. And, and I believe that, that you've got to know better before you can do better. And so here's some things that you need to know to get better. And they're not rocket science stuff. It's stuff, practical stuff that nobody ever taught me. I had to learn the hard way. And so um, I, that, that's the meaning behind it. Sweet, sweet. So what was the process like? How did you, did you think of the chapters first? Like, I kind of want to hear the process of putting this book together. Like, what was the process like? How did you come up with how yeah. you're going to order everything? Well, I, exactly what you just said. I sat down, I started thinking about, okay, what are the things that I would want people to know that have helped me? What are they? And that's when I began to, I just wrote down those things. And there was about nine things that I wrote down, you know, from, from, um, physical health, to, to reading God's Word, to financial stewardship, uh, all of those things I, sh I, I wrote down. And I said, okay, I want to write about these things. And I would set my my timer. I would write. I, I didn't sit down and write in one session. I would sit down and write uh, about 30 minutes a day, four days a week. And so I would get up in the mornings, you know, and I'd, I'd have my devotional time, and then I would set 30 minutes to write about four days a week. And, and that's how I wrote it. Just, and, I just, and the great thing about writing is that you don't have to be in a rush to do it because I didn't have a contract with the book. To, it was for my people. It, it wasn't for anybody else. We were going to self-publish the book. Uh, so, so I could just write. And I wrote it. And, then it was, and after I finished it, I, again, it was... It was not a rush job. I said, okay, here's what I want to teach. And it took me a while to write it. And, and then finally I've, um, you know, completed it. So I'm just curious is what was the reason that you went self-publish for the kind of the freedom to kind of just pace yourself or. Yeah, well, um, right now, um, you know, getting a book published is a big deal, uh, by a publisher. Because again, people aren't reading books that many books anymore. Um, uh, you know, it's just it's just very difficult. And I wanted it number one for my church. Mm -hmm. So if we self-published it, I could get it out. We did a series on it, uh, and I wanted it to help them. And and it has and that you know is what it's done is helped them. We did this series, and and it's something they can always refer back to. Um, so I wanted it again for my people. Number one. And, um, you know, I will, I have, I have not pursued a publisher, uh, like I, you know, probably should have, I mean, you know, the average book sells 60 copies, you know, I think mine's around, mine's probably around the 1500 mark, uh, 
from the soul. Um, so it 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 um, you know it's done it's done okay as yeah. far as like in in my circle, uh, but uh, you know I I guess it, I need to get it out there a little more. And I well I and mean figuring I, out taking the time. To... I didn't ask you the question to like deter you because I I've known people on both ends you know that have published with a publisher and haven't published with a publisher and some have done well and some haven't mm -hmm. i just was curious on your thoughts on why you went self-published probably my impatience uh to to just go ahead and get it to accomplish the the purpose i had written it for to get it to my people that's probably it and you know and trying to uh, and not taking the time to try to get it approved through a publisher and you know, I want it, and and to get it, I want to, you know, I I want to say what I want to say to our people, and I wanted to write, I wanted the title, I, I so it's what I wanted to give right. to them, and and that's that's pretty much it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, freedom is a good thing to have. I mean, as much as you could uh, get freedom, you know, because with a publisher, there are some, there's not always as much freedom as you would like. Right. But I would, you know, I would be honored uh, if a publisher would pick it up. Sweet. And, uh, I just, that was my intent. Uh, after it was, you know, we did the self-publishing is to send it to a couple of publishers. Oh, sweet. But I, um, you know, just got busy uh, with it. And uh, and I've written another book now that's being, um, that's being edited as well. So it's for our people again. Uh, and then, so that one's completed. I hope that it'll be done by the fall. And I'm writing another one now. Man. Um, so. You've gotten a writing bug, huh? Yeah. And again, you know, writing, writing is, I enjoy the writing because, like, I'm a pastor, so I speak every weekend. You know, every, every, every Sunday's D-Day. You know, it's just every Sunday. And it comes all, you know, it comes really quick. But. I found, you know, and I have to, I only got so much time I can say. I can only say so much during that time. I have about 33 minutes that I can speak. And so uh, with a book, I can, I can, uh, I can say all I want to say. I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I, there's no time limit on that and, and details and stuff that, you know, as I've thought about life, what I, uh, you know, what I would wish I could have said more of, you get to think about it. And you get to think of, you know, well, instead of just having a week to prepare this, I've got as long as I need. And when I'm, when I'm writing something, I thought, you know what, I would really like to say this as well. Or no, I don't think I'll say that. You just get more clarity when you're writing. I do. I agree. I agree. I haven't written like a book or anything, but like preparing to like teach a workshop or something like that. With the writing, it brings out more clarity in what you're going to talk about. So I definitely agree with you on that. So well, you, sh you should start writing your book. <laughs> uh, maybe, 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 maybe. <laughs> that's what I and I laugh when someone said something to me about that as well. But but I understand that uh, it just it was the discipline to sit that's down true. to do it. That's it. Set, set up that that 30 minutes a day or whatever to do it. So that's. That's when uh, that happened. So if anyone I'm sorry wants to, to make you, so no, go you're ahead. good. If anyone wants to become like an author, right? What like, what are like your top three advice for them? 
Uh, I would say number one is set a time. Number two, set a place. And number three, start writing. That's it. Is uh, it's priority on your on your calendar. If you set the if you set the time that you're going to write, and you set the place where you're going to write at, and then just sit then start writing. That's it. Just start. You know, me is just start typing. Uh, and it's amazing what will flow out of you. You have to open it up. You have to give yourself an opportunity. And 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 like uh, I have a place that I study at my office, which I'm in right now at, at my church. This is where I study. This is where my thinking happens at. And so I have to have a, a setting like this that when I come, I know it's business. Uh, when I'm talking with other people uh, in my office, I have other chairs that I set in that they're in my office, but I don't sit here. So when I'm preparing sermons, when I'm writing, this is where I like to be. It's it's just like, like when I sit down, my mind automatically knows, it's okay, it's on, you know? And so that that's what I would recommend to anyone is that, you know, I took a, I took a writing uh, workshop uh, one day with, with a guy named Elmer Towns and Nelson Searcy. And after being in that workshop, actually a two-day workshop, and the only thing I heard him say that stuck with me was, is that pick a time and a place. Just pick a time. Basically, they could come down to time with them. Is give yourself 30 minutes, just 30 minutes. And then if you write one sentence, that's fine. Or if you write a paragraph, that's fine. You're not going to write much more than that in 30 minutes. And so it's not about trying to, to, you know, bang the book out. It's about just giving yourself that time. And for me, I'm ADD, so I have to have that time. <laughs> I love it. Pick a time, pick a place, and just write. I love it. Love it. So it sounds like Jeff Dawes has had this, of course, a very blessed life with no struggles. But just in case, right? What would you say was the hardest thing that you had to overcome? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm glad that appears that way on the outside. It looks like I've had this great life with no struggles. My whole life's been a struggle. I mean, you know, my parents divorced when I was two. Uh you know, if you're, and of course, I, I'm transparent about that in my book. I, I share the whole my life story in the book. Um, that's what's made the book appealing to a lot of people that know me, is that it is my story all the way through. But the greatest, the greatest obstacle that I've had to overcome is insecurity. Uh, people would never know that uh, just by you know meeting me, because I'm I'm always been a fighter. I've always been uh, the person that, you know, you're not going to get the best of me. I, I've, uh, I've always been um, a fighter. But uh, inside of that, a lot of that fighting has become of, of insecurity. Like, I mean, you know, I'm, I've been transparent about my childhood, how, that, you know, I, I didn't do well in school. Um, and reading out loud in front of people was, uh, oh, man, that was a, a horror and then here I am, a pastor. And so I had to overcome a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, back in the days, uh, spelling was not my friend. And and back in the day, we didn't have spell check. And so uh, so writing things, it was everything that a pastor has to do, I hated to do. It's not, and I didn't, I didn't like, um, I didn't, you know, I don't like sitting down and studying. I'd rather build something with my hands. Uh, that's what I, you know, would rather do. Because when I do something with my hands, I can walk away that day and see what I've accomplished. But being a pastor, 
you know, you can put in 80 hours a week and like, what did I get done? What, I mean, as far as who did I help? What was accomplished? And, and so for me, insecurity was a big deal to overcome. Um, just, you know, a lot of our background, our families we sort of grew up in that way, we grew up in a small uh, mill town. And, and there was that, there was just that spirit basically, uh, you know, over our, over us as well. And, and so I had to overcome a lot of that uh, in, in my speaking. I had to learn, but I, but the way I overcome it, uh, way I, and again, it's still, I'm still struggle with it in some, some ways, but the way I've overcome that is just try to get better. You know, I, I've, I've admitted my weaknesses. So this is what I found out. You're only as sick as your secrets. So once you admit to everybody that, you know, you're, you have these issues, then you have nothing to try to cover up. And that's been the greatest breakthrough for me. It's like, what, whatever you try to keep from people is what holds you down. And so when I was able to say, I, go, I tell my church, all the, I said, you guys know, you, you know that I had these insecurities. Uh, spelling like and now spelling still I was like you know if it's not for spell check then I'm <laughs> I'm in trouble and I'm ADD when I send a text message I'm like you know I'm going to leave a word out just because I'm ADD I can read it twice and still miss it because my mind fills in the blank and and so um, so it's okay you know and 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 I and I'm, I'm like listen and the majority of you are that way as well so don't sweat it I love that I love that don't sweat it don't sweat it so who were some of the people that kind of, you know, your support system that held Jeff Dawes together, those people that you looked to for strength? Who were some of those people? Well, the, the guy that I talked about in the beginning when I was a teenager, his name's Randy Brooks. And he was a, he was a mentor to me during those years. Uh, he believed in me first. He, he's the one that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And so he, for those uh, first probably, I would say uh, six or seven years, he was it. But then I went to work for a pastor uh, in Tacoa, Georgia, uh, named Jerry Chitwood. And he became uh, a mentor to me and more like a spiritual father. And he has always been there for me. He's the guy that I call, uh, you know, to help me process things. Uh, and he's he's been that for me. So he's the guy that I would say, you know, when I need something, I mean, like I, one time I was going through something with my children and just overwhelmed, called him at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, he's that guy. Uh, and so he's older than me. He's retired, uh, semi-retired now. He's 75. But he is um, he's still a great voice that speaks into my life. It's amazing. It's always good to kind of have those mentors around you, especially the fact yeah. that, you know, these men. And and then I would say there's people that have mentored me from a distance that I, I'm, I'm there, that don't know me. Uh, Rick Warren is a guy out of Saddleback Church in California. He wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life, but he wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Church First. And and that that book changed my whole perspective of ministry and what God wanted me to do. And it was a spiritual breakthrough. I mean, God used that book to help me get a, a mission. And then uh, John Maxwell in leadership. Uh, you know, John Maxwell has been a mentor to me uh, for over 20 years. 
and he is, uh, you know, he, I don't know him. I mean, I know him because I read his books and, and listen to him, but he, of course, he didn't have a clue as who I am. I met him one time in my life. Uh, but those guys have been mentors to me through their books and through their, um, you know, through their teachings that I've listened to. And then there's a guy now that I've that just has um, become a mentor to me. Uh, and again, it goes back to this. You can't do, do better, be better, you know better. So I always have to find people that are better than me. Uh, and again, that's overcoming insecurity. And when you're insecure, you want to be the big fish in the small pond. But you can't get any bigger than that you can't grow like that and so you know when you're insecure you'll cut off anybody who threatens uh to be better than you and so what i've had to do is i've had to throw myself around people what i mean by that saying i had to force myself to get around people that are better than me and listen to them and see what they're doing i i i'm not i'm a great uh i'm a great uh I'm great, great at uh, copying what people do. You know, I can say, okay, well, I can do that. You know, uh, I can, I can do that. And so I'll steal every good idea I can find from anybody. So there's a guy now by the name of uh, Benny Tate, who's a pastor uh, south of Atlanta, and uh, a, um, you know, he's got a very large church, and he's out in the middle of the country, nowhere, what we would call, and he's there. Uh, and he's been a great friend to me. But again, those people don't come to you. You have to find a way to get to them. And, and so he's become a mentor to me. And, and I've, I've, ha- I've had to, you know, first before we met, I had to call his secretary up and, and just beg her for a meeting with him for 30 minutes. And I'm like, you know, I'll pay him. And so uh, because of my persistence, I got the meeting. And then uh, I was able to go from there. And uh, I said, listen, I'll drive him anywhere he wants to go. He speaks at a lot of places. I said, I know there's times that where uh, he needs someone to drive him. And so finally I got that gig, you know, of driving him somewhere. But now we, we have a great relationship. But I was will- I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get better. And that's, that's the, that is the secret uh, of my life is, you know, outside of the God factor, is that always wanting to get better. And what I've understood is that my church can never get better until I get better. My, my marriage can never get better until I get better. My, my children can never get better until I get better. So I understand that I, the, I, I'm, the, I'm the lid. So if I can always continue to get better, everything underneath me will go up with me. I love that. I just love the pursuit that you had, that you had that idea of like, I want to get to A and I'm going to do what it takes to get to A, even though I'm probably at all the way back. You know what I mean? A few letters back, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to A. Yes. And I know Pastor Benny. Pastor Benny is a great man. Yes, he is. But that's the thing that's driven, you know, that's, that's the only thing. I would tell you, you know, um, you know, I, I don't have a college degree, mm. uh, but I've probably been through college six or seven times because of all the books that I read um, because I want to get better. You know, I'm a learner. Make me better. That's what I tell my team around me. Like on uh, when we were meeting on Sundays uh, and tomorrow this will happen is I'll, I'll preach my message to the to uh, some people here. Before I, ever, before I ever preach it to the congregation, 
and I say, hey, I want to preach this to you, and I want you to make it better. So you tell me. Mm. Tell me what, what, what didn't make any sense. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. Make me better. It's interesting. Wow. To me, that's like, so for me personally, like either speaking or teaching in front of a large audience is easier than speaking or teaching in front of a small, more intimate audience. So the fact that you say you preach to, 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 to your team to kind of, and this is more in the aspect of, okay, critique me. <laughs> that is like, to me, that just sounds yeah. like nerve wracking. It, yeah, it, it is. And, and every one of our uh, pastors who speak here, they have to do the same thing. If you're going to speak here on Sunday, if you're on our team, then you're going to do the run through uh, because we want to, you know, you deserve, you need to be the best you can be. Mm. And our people deserve the best. Wow. And so if you can't handle that, then you can't speak. Uh, and that's, that's the culture that we have, but it's a culture that I have. Like, I mean, with everyone, if you got to, if you can make me better and you can make us better then I want to hear it, you know, make me better. Uh, and, and so it's just a wide, you know, that, again, that's, that's overcoming insecurity. That's how you overcome insecurity is you open yourself up to the truth and you, and you just like, okay, as, as painful as this is at times, and you know, there's nothing more sensitive than your talk. <laughs> that is so true. I mean, the, the talk you're, yeah. The talk you're going to deliver, I mean, like, it's your baby. You know, you've thought about it. And when someone says, well, when you're talking, you're using too many you knows. You know what I'm saying? You know about this? You know, you know, you know. And it's painful when they tell you, you know, what you're, and you don't want to admit it, but it is true. You're saying, and there's some pastors that say amen every, every 10 seconds. Amen, amen, amen. Well, that's a crutch word. But I'm never going to get better until someone draws it to my attention. And the and the second part about that getting better is having to watch it, and and listen to it. You know, listening to yourself is is painful. Oh yes, it is. <laughs> oh yes, it is. To be honest, like when I started this podcast, it I when I when I recorded, I knew where the errors were, so I would go directly to the errors. Like it took me almost a year to listen back to myself like listen through a full episode through yes absolutely it does and and i'm you know it's every week and and but to get better i've got you know i i uh, god taught me this one time i went to a coaching uh, uh coaching like you know i did here but i i went somewhere else else and um and I did a coaching, and, and the coaching was, um, um, the guy said, you know, in, in college, the guys are always viewing the game take of the week, of, of, the, of a game that's going to be coming up, their opponent that they're going to be playing, they review the game take of that. But the pros, they review the game take that, that they just played. They watch what they've just played. They, you know, they look at the game they played and look at their errors and their mistakes and learn from that before they start thinking about the opposing team. And I think that's with me is, is like in my life, I, I want to do that. I want to, I go, okay, 
it's painful and it hurts and it's embarrassing sometimes. I mean, when you hear yourself say some things and say it the way you sound, right. I mean, it's like embarrassing. <laughs> That's true. All right, so let's get to some fun questions. What is that thing that Pastor Jeff can't live without that's not his phone? That This is going to sound super spiritual, but it's not <laughs> intended to be. It is truth, and that is my Bible. Uh, I have... I am one of those people that when I became a Christian, I was told you, you you read the Bible. You read the Bible daily. Now, I wouldn't say that I read it every day of the week, but I read it just about every day of the week. Uh, and it has been the source of strength in my life. And every morning when I get up, the first thing I do at 6 a.m. is I go on there and I, I, I have my chair in my house. I sit in and I open up the Bible. I want God to speak to me before I speak to anybody else. Anybody else speaks to me, and so I read the Bible. Uh, that is that is it. And then um, technical or the uh, techie things. I think right now I'm a, I'm not a big gadget guy. I'm, matter of fact, I'm pretty simple. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to um, to please me. I'm not the new guy. I'm not the guy to have the the new pair of Jordans that are coming out. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not that guy. Uh, I'm, I don't have a lot. I'm not the a needy kind of person like. That. I mean, I don't have to have the best car. I don't. I don't have to have a lot of things. I play golf, uh, but I don't have to have the newest set of golf clubs. But the toy, the thing that I'm enjoying is uh, uh, earbuds. I can't do without my earbuds because when I'm exercising, I'm listening to leadership or either a sermon from another pastor to try to get better. And so every, just about every day when I exercise, I have my earbuds in. Uh, and they're wireless, and I sure do love all of that. Uh, and even even when I'm, uh, we have we sold our bigger house, and we did a um, we did a, a fixer upper of a smaller home. But I have a smaller home, but bigger property. I have three and a half acres. Nice. And so I have a big mower, you know that I uh, I have a bigger I have a big mower lawn mower, and uh, with that. I get out there and, and, you know, I could I could pay someone to do it, but it'd be, you know, it'd be pretty expensive in my place, but I could do that. But I just enjoy um, putting my earbuds in and, you know, putting my uh, headphones on to protect, you know, to give me where it's not so much sound is coming in. And I just enjoy uh, that. And I love listening. And on Fridays, I listen to country music. I mean, you it's crazy, but Fridays, nice. it's like, you know, I listen to gospel music all through uh, the week, uh, you know, contemporary music. But on Fridays, I, I it's like I want to I want to turn on old country music, and I do, and so it's crazy. It makes no sense at all. I love it though. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, yeah, it's, I love it. It's, and it's part of who you are. You have always been like super transparent. So that that's one thing that I do. I do. I do yeah. appreciate. <laughs> All right. So book recommendations, the books that I, I, that have impacted my life. And there, and there are a few that have, first of all, I would say the, the purpose driven church, uh, when I was at a place uh, about being the pastor of this church for about seven, six or seven years, our church had grown to about 200 people, but it was it was miserable. I mean, I was miserable. The you know our church was inward focused. 
we had a lot of Christians, but we have anybody that been that was being saved, and they were in a lot of internal fighting going on and stuff like that. You know, just trying to keep everybody happy, and that's impossible to do. True. And so I, um, at that point, you know, I, I never will forget. I got up on one one Monday morning, like I always do at six a.m. I went into uh, to read and to pray. And when I started praying, for whatever reason, I said, God, I'm done today. This is it. I'm I'm quitting the ministry. I, I don't want to be a pastor anymore. If this is all there is to it, I don't want it. And I'm I'm I mean, really emotional, you know, I was I was weeping and saying, I'm I'm done. Uh if this all there is. I said, God, unless you show me something today, then I am done. And and I can just tell you right in my in my mind's eye, I saw the book, the Purpose Driven Life book. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, this is what I want you to do. Because I didn't know what to do. You know, the only training I'd had was like, just pray more and fast and you'll be, and it'll, you know, God will bless. But there was more to it than that. And, and so I saw the cover of that book and I began to read it and study it, you know, along with the scripture. And it's amazing how God gave me systems to, uh, to begin to implement in his house. So, so that book is very special to me. Um, the other books I would say that uh, that is uh, is Rick Warren's. So that was his Purpose Driven Church book. Then the Purpose Driven Life book come out, and that one's, of course, is is very big. But uh, John Maxwell's books, um, uh, his book, he just he wrote one about three, four or five years ago called Intentional Living. I think that was that was very impactful to me. Uh, and current, uh, the one there's a guy by the name of James Clear that both wrote the book Atomic Habits. Uh, that is that was has been very impactful on me. He's uh, he's not a religious guy or anything, but um, so those are probably some of the uh, you know Max Licato's book, Anxious for Nothing. Uh, I'm just thinking back over my reading list of the last uh, little while, but but yeah, those are some of the books that I, I think uh, have impacted me. Yeah, that's cool. Um... I've written, I've, I've, I've read the Purpose Driven Church before, and I want to say I, I mm -hmm. totally agree with you. Like, even so much churches that we've either visit, visited, or went to in the past, or are, you know, even you may be going to this church, like, you would realize how much things we are doing that we probably shouldn't be doing, or things that we aren't yeah. doing that we should be doing. If you read this book, and when you get a guy like myself who's driven to do something, you know I want to do something. I want my life to matter, but not knowing what to do. That's always been my problem. Is I just haven't known what to do, and that's why I guess my philosophies make me better. Because I, if I can know, again, you can't be better, do better till you know better. I, that's why I think God's word is so important, is uh, because. God's word, Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but every, out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so that is, that is, that is the strength of my soul, is, is that God's word has made me better. It's ma it makes me better. And not only does it help me, you know, most people view the Bible as a uh, thou shalt not, but I see it as thou shalt and, and have, you know, and, and be blessed because of it. That's, that's my perspective. And, and again, I'm not trying to be preachy here to, and saying as a preacher, I'm saying something for me that that is treasure to me, and it is, uh, it's my life. 
uh, his word is my life. It's my, it's the anchor to my soul. And, and I love his word. Uh, right. You know, I'm like the psalmist is, and like this today, I was reading Ezekiel. And let me tell you something, you know, as boring as could be, I re- try to read at least three chapters a day. <laughs> and Ezekiel, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I'm about, I think I was reading chapter uh, 39 and 40 and 41. And, and it's all about, you know, um, uh, the, the building, how the temple is going to look and all this. And, you know, I started to say, well, I, I just want to fast forward through this. But I thought, no, if God put it down in his word, then it must be important. So I'm going to read it, even though if I feel like, you know, I'm not, this is impacting me. But, but Daryl, this is something that I've, I've discovered, is that with the Bible, people always say, you know, when I read the Bible, I don't get anything out of it. And this is what I've discovered. I've been there many, many times myself. There's been many times I've read the Bible and got up and you, you asked me what I read. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but this is what I know. It's not about what I'm getting out of it. It's about what's getting in me. Mm. Mm. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that. So, as we're going to be closing soon, um, what is next? Okay. What is next for Mr. Doss? You know, I want to continue as far as church wise. We want to, you know, um, begin to do multiple locations. That's probably the next adventure with this. But for me personally, I, like I said, I'm, I'm writing. I've got uh, another book coming out this fall, and I'm writing another one now. And then coaching for pastors. I'm still passionate about that. I, I haven't done the coaching like you were a part of at one time. I haven't done that in a couple of years, and I'm trying to figure out what to do with that. So I've started e- starting an email list now just once a month, giving tips, and then um, just see where that goes. Uh, and right now, you know, the, of course, the world right now is shaken, and I'm trying to find out, you know, where's my voice matter here. Uh, and I want to be in, and in our community. I want to be a strong leader as well in our community. Um, and so, you know, I, I just think God is, you know, has me in a unique place right now. Um, you know, our county's been through. Uh, um, a lot of transition, you know, uh, with uh, racial issues and racial tensions. And uh, and so I feel like God has placed me uh, in a position to uh, be able to be a branch of that and to say, hey, this is love overcomes all and this is how we do it. And, and by having a church that's very diverse, um, I just think that that is um, God has me in this place to, to speak that we can this can work and that we can work together. And, and so I just like, I don't know what that means, but that I'm here and like, God, okay, you know, um, use me. Hmm. All right. So someone is going to listen to this episode and they want some advice. And you've written a book about the opportunity for a better life. What advice would you give someone that they could take right now to start building that better life well again i'm a person of faith and so i'll just speak directly to that that is the first thing is that until until you have your heart right i think that for me that was what changed me that was the first first the first step is christ and again i'm not trying to be preachy uh it's just me 
It's what I, I believe that has changed me. That's the first step. The second thing I would say is, is to get, is to begin to become, uh, get disciplined with your life. Be intentional. One of the greatest things I ever did was I took a time management course, mm. Franklin Covey's time management. Mm. And I learned how to live by calendar. Uh, stop procrastinating. Mm. And, and, and the way I do it is, is a calendar. I would say that's the first step because you have, if you're going to get better, you got to have time to get better. And you've got a lot of time. It's just that you're, we all waste it in ways that we don't really realize. And so, um, so I would say put down, get a calendar, daily calendar, and write down what you're doing, what you want to do. And if you don't write down what you're going to do with your life, then everybody else will be glad to tell you what to do with it. And they'll take up an hour here or three hours there. That's so true. And, and, and so you can't do that. That's so true. I, um, I don't remember where I got that from, but through my learning, following different people or listening, I've learned that if you don't fill your time, someone else will. You know what yes. I mean? I, 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 and I never really, you know, you never really th think about it like that. You're, we are so used to like someone calls us, you know, we'll take it, take it, take it there. And by the end of the day, like we haven't really done anything to build us per se. So, you know, and but yeah. after I heard that, it kind of changed my perspective. And what I would say is your daily routine is going to set your life. You know, if you want to change your life, you have to change something you do every day. And so my, my, my life is pretty boring because I, you know, I start off at 6 a.m. Uh, with God's word. At 7 a.m. I exercise, you know, and by 9 a.m. I'm in my office uh, and I begin to, you know, at that time start to uh, 30 minutes to write, 30 minutes to read for personal growth. 10 o'clock is, uh, is my sermon prep time till noon. And then after about 1.30, I begin to meet with people that I want to meet with. Well, right now we can't meet with anybody, but I meet with the people I want to meet with uh, in the evenings. And then I'm writing, uh, I'm writing notes uh, or emails, making phone calls. And then in the evening, I meet with people that want to meet with me. Um, and so right now for us, every evening, you know, we're doing a Facebook Live um, and, and Instagram Live for our church every evening to pray with them at 630 to stay connected. And so, um, so we're putting that together. So what I'm trying to say is that as I live by that calendar and my morning time is my time and I protect that with everything I can, because if I can get my morning time and get all the things that I need to get done, then I can have my mind can be clear and, and, and it takes, and I'm a morning person. So I, um, I need to do it in the morning because by the afternoon, I'm like, okay, I don't want to think about, about a lot of stuff. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's been super valuable to you and you're now ready to take your audience building, your community growing to the next level to help you and help me build our empire for lack of a better word or just to build our thing um remember to stop by itunes passion behind the art 
and leave a review and subscribe. It's very important to me. It helps the podcast grow and it makes me feel good to kind of hear from you guys to know what you like about this podcast, what it's done for you. So jump on iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. Passion behind the art. Be blessed.